This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It's time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast also heard over the air on The Bet in Las Vegas. So everybody in Las Vegas, welcome and thanks for joining us over the air. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please do so wherever you get your audio. We would appreciate that. We're going to get right to our special guest today, somebody very familiar to Raider Nation because he is part of you. That's right. A member of Raider Nation, uh, a, a, not only a, a I think, someone who's beloved in the nation, but somebody who wears their Raider Nation uh, membership on their sleeve. Uh, but you tell it like it is, too. So you're not just a fan. You're also objective. Of course, that is Jason Fitz of ESPN. You can catch him pretty much anywhere on ESPN, on the TV side, of course, on the radio show daily, and also uh, digital as well. Jason, thanks for being back with us here on the show. No, thanks for having me. It's always a blast. And look, I love talking about this team. I, I say this all the time, but one thing I really thought when I started at ESPN was that at some, at some point they'd be like, hey, shut up and stop talking about the Raiders. But luckily, they've never told me I have to do that. So, you know, Greeny <laughs> gets to talk about the Jets. I get to talk about the Raiders. And I think, you know, Raiders fans, we, we get to sort of live through these moments together. Yeah, it's interesting because I think a lot of people today, they 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 look at personalities on television and they forget that those people grew up watching a team. Doesn't mean they can't cover other teams objectively. Uh, and it doesn't mean that they can't talk about their own team. So it's interesting. And I know Raider Nation loves hearing what you have to say. All right, well, let's jump in. Since we haven't talked in a while, we're going to start with some of the big changes we've seen here with the Raiders. And, of course, you have to start at quarterback. I mean, Fitz, you know this is a quarterback-driven league. They say goodbye to Derek Carr. That whole weirdness around Carr, people love him, hate him, and nobody in between, it seems like. Now you move on to Jimmy Garoppolo. Give me your thoughts on this and what you're thinking about uh, the position and what a Jimmy Garoppolo means for the Raiders versus what a Derek Carr-led team was like. Uh, this was the most predictable move of the entire NFL offseason. Um, it's something that I sort of screamed from the mountaintops early on. I don't think that that's original. I think a lot of people saw this coming. And the funny thing is sometimes what you have to do, even as a fan, is you have to remove your heart from the equation and just put mm -hmm. the shoes on the other foot game. You have to use total logic. So if I'm Josh McDaniels, and what I know is I have two different objectives. Objective number one 
is I want to build a team that long-term can compete with the Kansas City Chiefs consistently year in and year out. Objective number two is I'm not going to survive a bunch of really bad years. So I've got to win enough games to show everybody that I'm going in the right direction. I will add a third objective. And the third objective is how can I bring people in that can help teach my system, my culture, and the way I want to do business? All of those things together led me to Jimmy G. Jimmy G's got an injury history that's well-documented. There's been a lot of conversation about who San Francisco did or didn't trust going into the Super Bowl. But let's remember, he went into the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl against Kansas City with the lead. They didn't get it done. How much different would we view him in this moment? So to me, Jimmy G is the sort of the the spot nobody wants to be in. You got a pretty good quarterback. Like, it's just, he's pretty good. And if he's healthy, he's going to be pretty good. But more importantly, think back to Jimmy G, the teammate. Have we ever heard a negative word from anybody about Jimmy G, the teammate, or Jimmy G, the teacher? Even Trey Lance, through all of he's gone through in San Francisco, has always come out and said positive things about Jimmy G. I think if you just look back a few years ago, I think what the Raiders did in Jimmy G is they got themselves in Alex Smith. Now, they still need to go out and get themselves a Patrick Mahomes, but right. you've got to get an Alex Smith. And that's the the key part of this. I I I know people don't like hearing it because it's not sexy, but this team is trying <laughs> to figure out the way to bridge the gap to being long-term competitive. Absolutely. And I think you're right. And, and Mo and I, and Mo's out sick today, but we've been talking about that since, I don't know, maybe November about the fact that when you have a culture shift like that and you have a quarterback, because a lot of fans, I think, and you hear from them too, and that is they're angry because last year, Mark Davis and last year, uh, Dave Ziegler and last year, Josh McDaniel said, we're not in rebuild mode. And now they are. But the perfect explanation of that is what you hear from the coach and the GM. And that is, listen, we came in, we gave everybody a chance. We thought they were, we thought we were better than we were. And now that we've seen it, we started to make the moves to move on. Do you see that too? I think fans get angry because you know how long it's been because you've suffered through it too for this Raiders franchise to get where people want it to go. But this is a necessary step. You have to build long-term to win in the NFL and you have to get your future quarterback. We have to remember that Art Shell chapter two, Bill Callahan, uh, Mike White, uh, Joe Bugle. None of these are Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler's fault. Like, and, and furthermore, they're not their problem. So the problem <laughs> for us, and I, I mean us, like if you ask me my biggest Raiders memories, most of them are huge losses in, you know, a 51 to three AFC championship game when I was a kid. And I remember <laughs> sitting there in the couch and I looked at my dad and I was like, well, if they score that many points in the first half, we could score that many in the second half. And it's like delusion has been in my blood since I was a child with this team. But the thing of it is, that's not Ziggler or McDaniel's fault to fix. All they can do now is deal with the hand that they have. Now, I think Mark Davis was particularly brutally honest, whether we like it or not, whether anybody wants to believe it. And this is the world we live in. Like we want owners to speak. And then when they speak, we don't believe what they say. <laughs> what did he say? I know he said he did not believe that coach and GM really knew what they were getting into until they got in the room. That tells you that, Hey, even, even Mark Davis and whether this is revisionist history or not, we'll never know. But right now what Mark Davis is saying is, Hey, I knew that the team on the field was not the same as the guys in the locker room. And they were going to have to come in and find that out. I I will always go back to Harry Douglas, my co-host on radio every day. Uh, He's got uh, somebody that he played with in the league that he knows well that played in New England system. That he told me one day is the smartest, not just player, person he's ever worked with in his life. And he asked him, how complicated is that Josh McDaniels offense? 
And the player came back to him and said, it's like nothing I've ever experienced. It is that <laughs> difficult. And he said, imagine this. Every single wide receiver, every single running back could have up to five different reads on every play depending on the defense. And the quarterback's got to know which of those reads are happening where all across the board. So that means if, you, if you're in four wide, right? If you're in four wide, that's 20 different options. And the quarterback and the wide receiver are going to have to see that the same. Now, everybody comes back to that and says, well, simplify your system. Josh McDaniels wasn't hired to simplify his system. Like he <laughs> believes in his system. So this is like barbecue at this point. They are taking a slow and low approach. Like you just got to let it ride out. You've just got to cook. You've got to get the right teachers in the room and then build the talent up while you establish a culture. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because fans, you're right. I, you made the, the salient point at the beginning of your statement there, which was about, look, all the things that have happened in the past is not this current regime's problem, right? But people see what happened last year, and and there's been this false narrative, and I've challenged it, and I've, I've been positive, Fitzy, on social media, and I get people coming back at me double time with the hate because I say, look, they, they, you have to give them a chance to do it. You have to do this. What happened the last 20 years has nothing to do with what's happening now. What happened the last 20 years is because you didn't go about it as methodically. You didn't have, you had constant turnover, I should say. And so nothing ever was able to gel. When you look at now what's happening, and now it seems to be more settled, I think the fans' ire is more settled on Josh McDaniels because of last year, because they said, hey, this guy took a playoff team, and last year they only won six games. But you and I know, you cover the entire league, you know that that year, getting into the playoffs uh, with Rich Bisaccia, great on him, and it was great that that team came together in the midst of tragedy, but that was not a sustainable playoff roster. No, that was the luckiest year I've ever watched as a Raiders fan. And last year was the most unlucky year I've ever watched. <laughs> so where does it fall? Somewhere in the middle. Now, I, I think it's a fair criticism that at times Josh McDaniels wasn't creative enough as a play oh, caller. Yeah. I think oh, that's yeah. really fair. What we don't know is how much of the offense did he even feel comfortable getting out there and giving everybody. We just we can't know that. And, you know, this is the, the hard part about it is that sometimes it just takes time. And I would tell everybody, no matter what you do for a living, I don't care – if you sell cars, I don't care if you work in radio, I don't care if you make widgets, right? When new management comes in, they always think everybody's great. And then they start changing systems around. And the minute they start changing, you know, how many times, I don't care if you work at the local fast food place and you're like, I do this really well. Now you're asking me to do that. That's what the Raiders organization has been going through. And yeah. while I, I hear people when they say, well, frankly, you should, you should change your strategy to work with the players. That's not what he was asked to do when he got hired. And I, I think that's been pretty clear. So I think if you look at the coach, the owner, and the GM, they've been pretty blunt about the deficiencies in the roster mm -hmm. ever since they realized what those deficiencies were. So they gave it a year. They gave it a good old try. And now they're just absolutely gutting this thing and trying to rebuild it as quickly as possible because there's just enough star power and talent on this roster to win some games so you can't disrespect the prime of max crosby's career while you're mm -hmm. building for where you want to be in three years so i just i think the raiders are in the first year of a two-year rebuild and i know nobody likes to hear that but that's just right. that's real if you want to catch kansas city no i i love it because that's exactly what we've been saying here on the show is that you don't a rebuild doesn't mean five years it, you could do it quickly we saw it in the league last year you saw the jacksonville jaguars turn it around with the right coach and and moving in the right direction you know, all sorts of things can happen there and, and Mark Davis this week down at the owner's meeting in, a, in an interview fessed up and said, hey, look, a lot of this problem has been me. And so he took responsibility for it. I know it doesn't make people feel better, but at least you, he's identifying and he has people 
in place now, football people that he trusts implicitly. So they're going to be able to carry their their uh, their program out. Now, Fitz, when you look at what they've done, a lot of folks are concerned because they're like, why the hell are the Raiders signing so many wide receivers, right? Not all these guys are going to make the roster, but yet there's been nothing on defense. I've contended that, listen, you don't build a defense uh, to compete long-term by going out and signing a bunch of free agents. You, you supplement a defense with free agents and fill spots, but as you know, the most valuable thing in the NFL is, is, is a, a good player who contributes, who's a starter on a rookie contract. Isn't that what they need to do on this defense? And isn't that why in this draft, depending what happens at number seven, if they go for a quarterback, we don't have no idea if they'll have a chance. But either way, that you got to fill that roster with young defensive talent. Yeah, I've, I've covered the draft now for ESPN. I think this is my sixth year. Um, mm-hmm. Last year, really proud. 10 million people watched our broadcast night one. Wow. So, you know, on digital, if, if y'all get bored with the regular draft stuff on ESPN, which is always great, but you want to see a little bit more human reaction, that's what our group of, of people do. No commercials, too. So you never have to uh, you never have to tune away. Uh, that being said, what you just mentioned, and look back at the numbers. Field Yates had them last year on Kansas City drafting and the fact that every one of the players that they drafted in the first three yeah. rounds of the draft over a seven-year period made the roster, right? You look at what Philadelphia did last year in their quick turnaround, and you look at the home runs they hit in the draft. I, I, realistically, sustainably, if you want to be great, you've got to draft well. That's just fact, right? And so the Raiders haven't done that at, at an epic level. They've It's been terrible. <laughs> we all know that. But again, that's not on Dave Ziegler like he's not the 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 problems of the previous regimes are not his so this becomes a huge draft for them now I can I can hear people already when they say well why trade for Devontae if you weren't going to be able to win right away if you have the chance to add the best wide receiver in the NFL you add the best wide receiver I mean if the Raiders end up taking a quarterback this year that rookie quarterback will have a luckier situation than anyone I can remember as a rookie quarterback coming in knowing that you're going to be throwing to Hunter Renfro. You're going to be throwing to Devontae. Jacoby Myers is a very good signing. You've got Josh Jacobs behind you. Uh, I I mean, there are weapons that will help with the development of a quarterback. If Jimmy G can stay healthy, he's going to have great weapons to throw to. These are keys in the way you build. But I I, I think the other thing, and I know I'm long-winded here, but the other thing that is really important about the defensive side of the ball is that this organization has proven now in two years that they understand what they think value is. Last mm. year, there was a real question about offensive line. Why didn't you address it? And early on in the season, in an interview, they said, look, we knew we needed it, but we didn't think there was anybody out there that was the right value at the cost they were. This organization, McDaniels and Ziegler, obviously are better at eBay than I am, right? Like they walk <laughs> in and say, this is the most I will pay for that talent. And if you even read into some of the interviews with The Athletic where they said, look, we couldn't go all in on one guy because we have too many needs. They're being brutally honest. Nobody wants to hear the truth and everybody wants to yell about the truth we're getting. But it's brutally real. Like there are too many holes and, and you can't overspend on any one of those players. So you're going to have to sign depth players and you're going to have to slowly rise the entire talent level of the roster. It's it's a boring way to do it, but it's it a is. lot like losing weight. You can you can go on Atkins and lose weight for a month, but the minute you have a you smell a slice of bread, you're gonna put that fat <laughs> right back on. We all know that. We're trying to make lifestyle changes here. That's it's just a it's a monotonous process. Lifestyle changes. I like that. And and it and it comes on the heels, no matter what you think of them, of of the Mayoc Gruden era, where we know how disastrous those drafts were been. Yes, Josh Jacobs and Hunter Renfro and Max Crosby are there. 
But that's three, and and you're talking about uh, only one uh, number one pick there when they had that slew of number ones over a, a course of three years. So you look at that and you think, okay, it's no question why they're in the position they're in. Um, when you look at this division, though, too, you look at where the Raiders are and having to do this this quick rebuild, let's call it, uh, and you see the Chargers, you see the Chiefs, of course, and now the Broncos with with a real coach. Um, it's going to be tough, right? You you kind of have to turn this thing around in the right direction and be really, really competitive in two years, don't you? Yeah, you do. And I think that's going to take patience. I think when you talk about the draft, it's going to take hard decision-making. You know, there, there's a level where McDaniels has already told you you can't reach at, at the quarterback position. So if you're a team that has a ton of holes, are you going to reach for a quarterback that may or may not play at seven overall, mm. that may or may not be ready for the league? and hope that you can develop that guy, or are you going to either stay where you are and take the best player available on the board or trade down in a draft that seems to have a pretty good amount of depth to pick up more? I mean, I think when you when they keep telling you about the amount of holes they see, I think that speaks to we need a bunch of players, right? So I know we're all obsessed with quarterbacks because we're taking on Mahomes, and when you're taking on Mahomes for the next 15 years, it's <laughs> okay to be quarterback obsessed. I just don't know picking at seven that the real option is going to be there. Uh, it was Dan Graziano that mentioned the Raiders were actively trying to shop for the first overall pick. I think realistically where the Raiders sit right now, it more important than getting a quarterback is addressing the most of this roster. Cause next year, if you got to pay a King's ransom to move up for one, Caleb Williams and Drake may are already better prospects than either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. So right. like uh, uh, there is some <laughs> level of let's get the roster right rather than just worrying about quarterback uh, on night one of the draft. No question. Um, what does your gut tell you they're going to do? My gut tells me they're going to stay where they are because they're not going to overpay for anything. And yeah. it's going to be an overpay. This is the analogy I keep making because maybe because, you know, like now I've <laughs> mentioned workouts. I'm on this fitness track right now. Good. But everybody has a favorite flavor of ice cream, right? And so if you're standing fifth in line, you're standing seventh in line, all right? You're seventh in line, and there's only four scoops of ice cream left. <laughs> now – that first, everybody paid a king's ransom to go get that first. That first, I mean, Carolina paid a bunch. Carolina might like chocolate, and if they take chocolate ice cream, but you were never in the market for chocolate, now you're looking at errors, or you're looking at Houston picking it too. I've had some people tell me that Houston doesn't love any of these, but maybe Houston takes strawberry, and all of a sudden you're sitting there at three, and you're like, my God, how is the vanilla still left? And the guy behind <laughs> you is like, the vanilla. What about the mint chocolate chip? So I think what we see on draft night is a mass push to get into the top four. And, yeah. and I, I know this sounds stupid, but I think the first four picks in the draft are going to be quarterbacks. One, two, three, and four. So if that's the way it goes, I don't think the Raiders are going to get one, which is going to leave the Raiders in a really difficult, the most difficult decision an organization will make in a very long time because the best prospect in this draft, bar none, without question to me, is Jalen Carter the most difficult person for this organization to draft would be Jalen Carter. Yes. So I, I, I think it's going to be wild to see what the Raiders do at seven, because there's a good chance that he's still sitting there and they will have, have to have done a lot of homeworks on the exact of the information. They'll have to have a lot of sensitivity to what's currently going on still with the Henry Ruggs situation. Mm -hmm. But as I've said several times, the sins of Henry Ruggs are not the sins of Jalen Carter. So you have to get all the information compartmentalize it. So I think the Raiders will sit at seven and take the best defensive player on the board at that point. Yeah, I, I agree. And the Jalen Carter, I know a lot of fans in Raider nation would love to see him in the silver and black uh, because he is so talented. 
Uh, and of course, that 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 negative PR and positive PR machine around some of these players. There's all these leaks about you know concerning interviews and all this other stuff. And it, it's uh, it's tough for a kid because a lot of times you don't know what's fact and what's not. And fans are hearing it and, and sources are saying and all this kind of stuff. So it gets really difficult. But Jalen Carter, and then, of course, they got to address that defensive back. I mean, they have to address the whole middle of the defense. Fitz, what's the la- when's the last time you remember talking about a Raiders linebacker? Right? Well, Greg Beekert? Yeah. Kirk Morrison? Like, <laughs> Kirk Morrison, I mean, exactly. And neither, like, I, I love you, Kirk, but, like, neither <laughs> of those guys were out there at the same level as some of the Hall of Fame. Like, but, yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah, so that middle of that – and listen, I know the linebacking position's changed a little bit in the NFL, but you still need that person out there to lead that. So knowing that they need that and the the slew of draft picks they have, and you're right, the depth. I keep telling fans when I interact with them, listen, it is so deep at certain positions, including in the defensive backfield, including up front too. They need they need players in the middle. they got to create a push in the middle. So it'll be really interesting, and I, I, I'm with you. I think they're going to – heavy up on defense and do what they can. And uh, if, yeah, like you said, with your ice cream analogy, if a flavor's there, maybe, but I doubt, I agree. I don't think a quarterback will be there. They might be able to get a quarterback as more of a prospect later in the draft. And that there's nothing wrong with that. You give a guy a chance. I mean, there's one guy who went in the sixth round out of Michigan one time and did pretty well for himself. So you never know, uh, but it'll be interesting. Uh, Fitzy, I appreciate it. Tell everybody when they can listen to you daily on ESPN and what else you got coming up. Yeah, so Fitz and Harry is on ESPN Radio Monday through Friday, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern. So wherever you are in the country, you can listen to it on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You can watch us in the ESPN app, and we're also on Sirius XM Channel 80. So a good way to hang out with me and Harry Douglas. Uh, Harry's somebody that has also a ton of love and a ton of relationships within the Raiders organization. Mm. So um, that's always a we, – we have a great time. I'm lucky I get to do radio every day with one of my best friends, and uh, awesome. he lets me be a silly, ridiculous Raiders fan. So <laughs> a lot of love there. And then when we get to the first round of the NFL draft, um, in the app, uh, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, all over ESPN's official accounts, you'll see I, – I, I, I'll just tell the world. I don't think I'll get in too much trouble. It's me, Field Yates, uh, Harry Douglas, the uh, Hawk. Um, I'm trying to think. There's like eight of us on this draft broadcast – and uh, we sit back and and we're doing the same things everybody else is doing it. We just also have a snack bar. And, you know, uh, I, I've told the bosses that I'm just bringing a bottle of something. And they tell me <laughs> I'm not allowed to drink on air. But every year they put a camera right in my face. And uh, I, I always tell this story. But a couple of years ago, you know, obviously we all know that the first round of the draft didn't go exactly as, uh, as thought with uh, Alex Leatherwood. And the only time in seven rounds of the draft that I covered that they got my ear and said, you have to stall. We don't have any highlights for him because he wasn't on the radar <laughs> to be picked in the first round was Alex Leatherwood. And I just sat there and they put a camera in my face and it's like, I, I don't know what to do with my hands. It was like old school. I just, I, I just started yelling at the camera. Why do you do this to me every year? <laughs> Next year I come in ESPN.com. It's right there. It's like Fitz pleads with Raiders. I'm like, son of a biscuit. There we go. So, uh, you know, we'll be there having a good time and yeah. uh, keeping it real as we always do. Yeah, and you'll be in a good barbecue city too, so uh, yeah. which I know you're you're well familiar with. So it'll be good there. Am as I well. allowed to go out and about in Kansas City? I don't know how that works. Like, <laughs> I, I, you I have to wear you, you got to wear you got to wear some silver and black. I mean, you you know you might you might risk yourself out there, but hey, you got to do. That's what you all I have do. in my entire house is like everything <laughs> silver and black. I mean, they they actually made fun of me at the gym the other day when I was working out. Again, I'm working out. They, they made fun of me at the gym the other day. They were like, "How much Raiders gear do you own?" Because every day I'm in a shirt and shorts that say Raiders on it. And I'm like, "Just enough, thank you." So yes. I appreciate it. 
Yes, our buddies had, had uh, homage too. Great stuff too. I know you uh, you oh, yeah. wear some of their stuff too. I love that. It's great, great, great stuff. Well, Jason, thanks, man. We really appreciate you being with us. And I do endorse your draft show because it is like it's like extending. You know, a lot of us get together with guys and we watch the draft. When you extend, it's like you just you're just an extension. You're just a bunch of other guys, other guys there, of course, with a lot more knowledge than most people on the NFL uh, and a great team. So nothing against the guys on TV, but I love the digital side and I highly recommend it. So good luck to you, man. We will talk to you after the draft. We'll get some reaction from you and see how you're feeling. Yeah, but love that. Come on. All right. There you go, everybody. I want to thank again Jason Fitz for joining us. Make sure you follow him at Jason Fitz on Twitter. And then, of course, everything he does on ESPN. Uh, you guys all support Raider Nation all day long, all all entire life. You're, you're Raider Nation till you die. And so is Jason Fitz. So make sure you support him. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we roll on here on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Also a hearty hello to our listeners. On the bet in Las Vegas, yes, if you're listening to us on the radio, we appreciate you being with us, Las Vegas, as always. And I didn't mention in the first segment, we got right into to Jason Fitz because he was in a hurry. He had a bunch of stuff uh, going on here as he rolls into uh, the draft and, and, and coverage of the NFL and of the NCAA tournament was that Mo Moten, my co-host, out this week. He's been out. Uh, we canceled the show for Tuesday because he was sick. And then uh, he's still recovering. He's got the flu, so he's okay, but he's got the flu. So he'll be back next week. Uh, so we'll get him on the show. But joining me today is our producer, David Stepanian, who you guys know because he's been on here with us before on the air as well. David, uh, of course, with us in Las Vegas. How you doing, man? Doing good, Scott. This is a rare treat. I'm, I'm glad to be <laughs> back on with you. It's always fun. We got to do this more often, really. A, a rare Mo treat. Too healthy. Guy is too healthy. He's never on the injury report. This guy, I mean, some teams would love to have him on their roster with this guy. Like just just how often he makes it to the show. Because that's well, rare. It really well, is. I'll tell you, I am whatever Mo has in New York City, I'm getting. I'm drinking my Gatorade. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can see me holding the bottle up. Um, because I'm I'm getting I'm getting something. It started yesterday. And now it's lingering into today. So I'm, I'm, I, I hate it because I, you, what I usually do is when I'm, when I'm starting to feel something come on, I just go to sleep, man. I like, I power sleep, right? Let my immune system, let my body catch up. I overdose on vitamins, you name it, and Gatorade, of course. Um, and, and so hopefully I'm going to stave it off so that I can get better by the weekend. That's my, that's my goal. I hope so. So we'll I, see. I but hope thanks. You can do it. 
he yeah. he he gave you a virus through the computer and now you're going to give me a virus and <laughs> exactly. that means I'm not going to be I'm not going to make like the next three shows. I'm coughing through the microphone to get it on to you. No. Uh, but yeah, so David, thank you for being with us. I appreciate it. And um that segment with Fitzy was great. I I know Raider Nation loves him, but I love what he brought because you know, since you listen to every show cuz you're producing the damn thing. Um Mo and I have said almost exactly what he said and I have not I had not watched Jason in a while because just been too busy, but he said the same thing. It's like the sins of the father are not the sins of the son. So, and what I mean by that is all of the other mistakes that have happened, all of the other turnover, all the Gruden picks, all the stuff that Bill Callahan did back in the years, all the stuff that Al Davis did at the end of his life, all that junk that Raider Nation complains a lot about, and I'm okay with them complaining about it. But that's not these guys' fault. So you can't assume that they're going to do the same thing. You have to allow them to build like that. But it was refreshing to hear it come from Fitz, who who really is a die-in-the-wool hardcore Raider fan. Yeah, I mean, Fitz is great, by the way, and and he gets it. I think uh, he's able to verbalize what all the Raider fans are thinking. And I'm, I'm... I'm more excited for this year's draft than I have been in in so long. I couldn't tell you the last time I was so ready for a draft because this team lets me down so often, but there's so much great (laughs) talent. Uh, There's so much great talent in this year's draft. Uh, It's it's kind of hard to – I don't want to picture them making another blunder, but that also sets up – I mean, that could mean bigger disappointment. Yeah. When you have so much talent, so I'm just really hoping that we avoid that, and um, this could be a make or break draft for the next few years for this team. It, it really could. But he also touched on something I think it was important too. Was I asked him about his reaction because I had not honestly heard it uh, about Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Derek Carr. Everybody knew, and he said it too. He said, "Look, everybody saw the writing on the wall with Derek Carr. It was coming. Uh, that's why when fans were some fans were so surprised by it, I was I was shocked too. But uh, I think w- what he talked about there was the system, right? So whether you like Josh McDaniels or not, and Josh McDaniels in my book has a lot to prove, right? We've said that over and over here again on Silver and Black today, and I still think that is true. At the same time, the point, though, about the system is so important because it, he talked about it the same way I did. I think it was two weeks ago where I said, when you buy a business, you come into the business and you have employees, and you look at the employees and, every, and the, the owners on the way out tell you, hey, no, these are all great people. They're good. You have a good staff here. Then you start assessing them and you institute changes in the business, whether it's how you handle cash or how you handle scheduling or whatever it may be. And then you learn that some of those people just don't don't fit. And I think that's what you've seen with this Raider team is they honestly came in. They overvalued or they they overvalued the talent they had last year. Discovered it wasn't what they thought it was, and that they couldn't adjust to the system, and so they had to change. To me, that's at the crux of why some fans believe the Raiders lied when in, in actuality they did not. They just assessed something from the outside, and once they got inside, they realized it wasn't good enough. Yeah, and and this brings me back to something Fitz said in the last segment. Um, two seasons ago, that was the luckiest year the Raiders had. I said and that on I said that on Twitter, and people were calling me crazy. No, that look, I was now. I'm I'm a season ticket holder, and I go to almost every home game, and uh, that was a great season. But yeah, that that roster, it just wasn't sustainable. I mean, they pulled out they pulled out a lot of really lucky wins, especially late in the year. 
Um, they played some injured teams in those oh, yeah. last few weeks. That's, that so, light stretch, yeah. Yeah, I, and I mean, you you keep that roster together. You're not lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place. So going with Jimmy G, uh, it, it's probably the best option they could have gone with in in free agency. And as you were alluding to, Jimmy G became Jimmy G under Josh McDaniel's system all those years ago when Tom Brady got injured. So can they make that magic happen again all these years later? Jimmy G is a guy who hasn't been too healthy throughout his career. I think, yeah, if he stays healthy, if he can get out there, get on the field and make some plays, I think this team will be exciting to watch. But it, I think it, uh, it relies a lot on Jimmy G's shoulder and sure. his ability to stay healthy. He has to stay healthy. And, and, and what we're going to get into now, um, Jason, uh, Jason talking about fits those are big uh, big shoes to fill <laughs> david is uh the story for those of you watching on youtube you can see it on your screen but for those of you listening uh the 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 one-on-one interview the athletic did with mark davis uh this was an interesting interview they, they talk about the wnba stuff which i really don't have an interest in to be honest with you but i know you do mr season ticket holder uh, wnba hey. um and the aces <laughs> but but you Nothing look at <laughs> you look at um what's going on with the Raiders. And in the story, you know, he, he said some interesting things about uh, not only Sandra Douglas Morgan and about the great job that she's doing and what she's trying to do there, but also the, the transition, what we were just talking about, the transition from the previous regime to Dave Ziegler and how, you know, he told them what he thought he had with the Raiders and the roster, but he told them as it says in the story, you have to make up your own mind. And oh, by the way, you run the football operation, so you get the opportunity to come in and tell me what you think. So so that part of it and the state of the roster has caused so much angst in Raider Nation, people saying they lied, they said this wasn't going to be a rebuild. And, I, and what Mark Davis says, and now people will just call them liars, but the reality is, you again, you assess a roster – from the outside, but once you get in and see, and we saw what happened, that does not excuse Josh McDaniels of the coaching malpractice he had at times last year. But what it does do is say, hey, look, we didn't have the right quarterback. We didn't have the right players on defense. We didn't have the right players on offense necessarily that bought into the system. This is nothing new. And this is what I've been trying to say. And I think we've said a lot on the show, David, which is you have to, I know your fans, but you have to take the emotion out of it and look at the business side of things. The reason that the Raiders have been so bad for so long is because of emotion, because of turnover. Al Davis loved players that he loved. He didn't necessarily, towards the end of his life, look at what it meant for his team if that player didn't pan out. And so now you're in this position. But I think what Mark Davis is saying is is pretty dead on to what people thought they were doing but the emotion got in the way. Yeah, I think I think Raider fans, I think we're afraid of the word rebuild. Yeah, because you know, well, yeah, you've heard it so much. We've gone through so much over the years. But to me, look, I feel like if I could go through one more rough year, if it means next year we're, we're going to turn it around and we're going to nail this draft. If you told me we go through one more bad season, but – this team is really going to start to gel and mesh together for the next several years. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll take that. Uh, it's just, the thing is we haven't gotten that confidence, not from mm -hmm. McDaniels, not from the previous regime. 
not from the owner. We just don't have anything to kind of rely on and, and cling to. There's, it, it's not the most hopeful time in Raider Nation. <laughs> um, you could argue that that's not true, though, David. You could argue that, listen, I mean, despite all the rebuilds and despite all the, the dumpster fires that have occurred in this organization over the last 25 years, right now, you don't know yet, right? Because, okay, they've moved on. They're making bold moves. Now, bold moves have to pay bold dividends, for it to feel good, no question, you're right about that. But could they be finally doing it the right way? We won't know for another year or two. Uh, but as as Jason Fitz said, it's a mini two-year rebuild. This isn't something where it's going to take you five years. These guys should be expected to rebuild this roster within two years. Yeah, I think, well, and, and that's kind of what I'm alluding to is I don't think this is going to, you know, uh, Going to the NBA, there's there's this thing with the Sixers, trust the process. Oh, I don't, yeah. And that, yeah. Process, that process took like seven or eight years. <laughs> it was a process for sure, but they finally got there. I don't think this is going to be the longest process in, in not even in the organization's history. Yeah, I think maybe a year or two, you let you kind of see what McDaniels can do here, what Ziegler can do here. Yeah. Um, and, and if they can get some pieces, I think this draft is going to be huge. I do too. This is, this is, this is probably, you know, going to be the most exciting draft for a lot of teams I can remember in many years. And the, the next several years are going to kind of unfold over that one weekend in April. Mm -hmm. um, if they can make some right moves, it's just this organization hasn't given me that confidence but I think finally, maybe we we have a regime that can get it done. Well, that, and that and that's the question. I think I think if they can go out and they they hit on a high percentage of their draft picks this year, where people feel really good about it, then you then you'll start to trust the new guy, right? It's the it's the old who song, you know, new boss same as the old boss. Raider Nation won't believe that that's not true unless they start putting some points on the board. And I don't just mean in the in the uh, in the football game, but actually with draft picks and, and finding talent. The last thing I want to talk about in this segment, David, uh, before we get to the break, and then we'll come back with our, our, our uh, mailbag segment for the week, which is in that same interview on, a, on The Athletic, um, one thing that's caused some uproar in Raider Nation and around the NFL this, this week has been Mark Davis apologizing <laughs> to Derek Carr. Now, when people say, oh, he apologized to Derek Carr, I want to read the quote if people haven't read it, because so many people react to something somebody says without actually reading the text. Uh, and, and in essence, what Mark Davis said was, listen, um, I'm responsible. And he said this, he said, as I told Derek, the only consistent thing with the Raiders for the last 11 years has been me. And the fact that we haven't won falls on me. There's no passing the buck or pointing fingers. The buck stops here. And I apologize to him for not being able to get it done. That's how I feel. Now, this is the same paragraph where he said, no, he did not green light or, 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 or prompt the organization to get rid of Derek Carr. That was a football decision. He transitioned into, uh, obviously, a kid he knew, drafted his, coming out of college, they drafted him, so he knew Derek Carr for 10 years. And he basically said he apologized for not having a better organization. I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, but I do see where people are upset about it because, okay, so why have you been doing this for 11 years and now sh why should we trust you, right? It's just what you said just uh, a minute ago. 
Yeah, I think um, it's it's look, I, I can't imagine how tough it must be to be an NFL owner. Uh, and people are certainly not happy with Mark Davis, especially after these comments, because you're kind of admitting uh, that all these years have kind of amounted to very little. And, you know, Raider Nation deserves a lot more. And I think Derek Carr deserved more, too, because a lot of these years we were saying these things like, oh, he's got to learn a new playbook. He's under a new system. He, I'll, I'll admit, he didn't have the best situation for a lot of those years. And when it finally seemed to be gelling together under Gruden, you know, the Gruden controversy happens and that whole season happens. They still made the playoffs that year, but that was kind of the best shot that they had. And it all fell apart in the end there. It did. It did. And um, the last thing I'll say about that piece too, Mark Davis talked about something also that many of you get fired up about, which is visiting fans inside of Allegiant Stadium. Okay. And David, you're a season ticket holder, like you said, so you've seen it firsthand. Uh, he said, I'm pissed and embarrassed that other teams fans were, were there. Number one, uh, or no, I was pissed we're not playing well and we're not giving those people an opportunity or a desire to be there. And we are in one of the most beautiful stadiums in the world city that everybody wants to visit. We better do damn well and win if we want our fans to be in those seats. But I do not have and have never blamed the fans. So there's Mark Davis basically saying, look, the reason why there's not more Raider fans is there is because we don't win. And, and I agree with that. Um, he also talked about the fact that he did not have fans kicked out for signs, uh, just to clear that one up, because a lot of people said, or some security guards said that that's, that's why people were getting kicked out of signs. But anyway, uh, Mark Davis there, just making sure people understand that he knows that if they win, that'll take care of itself. I think uh, after going to so many games... I think some some fan bases travel better than others. Yeah. I think Raider Nation is great and they travel well also. I think they show up to most Raider home games. But there have been these games here and there like when they played the Bears a couple years ago. I, I'm not I'm not ever going to forget that. It, yeah. I felt like I was in Chicago and I've been to Soldier Field and there was more Bear fans at Raiders Bear games in Vegas than there are at Soldier Field. <laughs> uh, it, it, I, it was insane. And there, there are some teams that do travel very well. And I think the Packers are on the schedule next season. Oh, yeah. This is an issue that's, that's not going to just, you know, turn around overnight. Not every team gets to be the Golden Knights where every single night you get 90% Golden Knight fans. Yes, yeah, it's very rare. Especially. You get that. Yeah, especially in the NFL. You know, yeah. a lot of fans travel well, and this is something in a lot of stadiums. I've been to every Raider game at SoFi Stadium, and I would say, you know, besides maybe that Rams Thursday night game, it was all Raider home games, honestly. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. There was Same a with Rams the Charger games. game. That might have been more 50 50, but yeah. outside of that, uh, Raider fans travel well also. And this is just the, you know, the, the nature of the beast now. I travel to a lot of Raider road games. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of people uh, do. And other fan bases want to go to Vegas. I mean, that's the bottom line is it's, it's a destination city with a lot to do. I mean, you, you just got through in Las Vegas, one of the most exciting sports weekend the city's ever had between the tournament, between um, uh, everything going on with college basketball, but also you had concerts. You had all this stuff going on. You have F1 coming, of course, which is going to be a huge, huge deal in Las Vegas. So there's lots to do there. People want to go. So, of course, fans are going to come in. And, yes, the Raiders will sell out and keep more of their seats 
with their fan base if they can win. It's just a bottom line. All right, we're going to step aside for our last break here on Silver and Black today. When we come back, we're going to do the Raider Nation mailbag. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Silver and Black today. An Odyssey original podcast also heard on the bet in Las Vegas on the radio. So stay with us. We'll be right back. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Also heard on the radio on The Bet in Las Vegas. Thank you to our listeners in both spots. Also to our viewers on YouTube. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please help us out. Do so. Do me a favor this week, too. A special favor just for me and for our sick colleague, Mo Moten, who's at home in New York recovering from the flu. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you would do that, we would really appreciate it. It'd be a very nice gesture. Tell people what you think of the show. And uh, also, if you're on YouTube, hit the subscription and the notifications bell so you get a notification every time we have a new show. We're going into the home stretch here. It is Scott Branson. It is our producer, David Stepanian, joining me uh, for these final two segments today uh, with Mo out. And David, a couple things here. Of course, we had some signings. The Raiders continue to sign wide receivers. I think they have 50 of them now. Uh, they signed DeAndre Carter from the Chargers to a one-year deal, $2.375 million. He's coming off a season where he had 46 catches, 538 yards, and three touchdowns. He also ranks second in the NFL with almost 12 yards per punt return. The Raiders have not had great kick returning um, I think DeAndre Carter will be their punt returner. We'll get some time, especially in some of those sets that you see Josh McDaniels run that we saw last year where he's bringing wide receivers on reverses. We saw it with Devontae Adams, some of them ill-advised, but nonetheless, that's in their bag of tricks. I like the signing of DeAndre Carter. Yeah, same here. And a lot of these signings we've been seeing the last few weeks um, you just don't know if these guys are even going to make it out of the preseason, right. but this is a great, Pickup, I think, especially for a season like this, um, this could be, you know, you could see him kind of being in that slot, being a kick returner. Kick returning wasn't great last season either. So I think this is a great pickup, especially when you see these signings and you're just not sure what's going on. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, it's time for one of our favorite weekly functions around here and features, and that is, of course, the Raider Nation mailbag. Raider Nation is never shy. You ask, we answer. It's time for the Raider Nation mailbag. What's on your mind, fam? Drop us an email at mail at silverandblacktoday.com. That's mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Now, it's your time to speak up. All right, here we go for the Raider Nation mailbag. Scott Branson. David Stepanian, our super producer, is with us. We're going to go through just a couple tonight because my voice is about to give out. Yes, I'm fighting up. Mo sent me in the mail his sickness. Can you believe Uh-oh. that, David? He sent me a letter and it just opens up and it says, you're sick. Yeah, that was a big thing back in the 90s, opening up <laughs> letters and there's like poison was, in there. That was early 2000s after, after 9-11. Yes, when you were what, right, in you, second grade? <laughs> 
I, I was <laughs> no, fourth grade. Fourth grade. I was fourth. Close. Grade. Come on. I was close. Close enough. There you How, go. Hey, I just were were you in school when UNLV won the title back in 1990? So I got to UNLV the year after. Uh, Final Four. 91, 92, and I went to the I I well 91, 92, not 90, 91. The 90, oh, they 90, weren't even allowed. Correct. The 90-91 team that lost in the Final Four to Duke <laughs> gives me the shivers. Um, I was actually at that game with my dad in Indianapolis. We were sitting behind the Duke band, so you can imagine how my day went. Wow. And we flew that, home. We got emergency tickets and flew home the next day because we had no reason to stay. So we didn't watch how the much were tickets? How much were tickets? Do you have any uh, recollection at all? I want to say back then we got those tickets behind the Duke band. It was maybe 350 bucks. Wow. In, in 90s dollars? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. See, I just went to the Gonzaga-UConn Elite Eight game, and that was like $110. And I thought that yeah. was a lot. <laughs> no. No. But, no. We, I, but I, Final but Four pay, is different, though, man. Final Four is different. Yeah, I would pay, I would pay anything to be at that, to, to be at a UNLV Final Four. 1990, uh, yeah. I would prefer, but yes. that must have been an incredible experience. And we had to bring it up since it's March. And you'll never get that opportunity yet. I, I won't. I know Unfortunately. And now, Sandy... <laughs> San Diego State makes it to their first Final Four, which makes it even worse. All right. That, that was your second choice, right? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's get on to our question. Roger from Amity, New York. Yes. Raider Nation representing in the Northeast. Uh, Mo is saying hello to you from his sickbed. He says, hey, guys, what is the deal with signing all these wide receivers? We clearly have an overneed, 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 for defensive players, but we continue to sign wide receivers. What am I missing? That's Roger in Amity, New York. Well, Roger, we were just talking about it when we talked about DeAndre Carter. The fact is, um, again, it comes back down to system. The Raiders have Devontae Adams. They have Hunter Renfro for now. Still could be moved. There's been lots of talk about that. We don't know if he's going to get traded or not. Uh, I know most people don't want him traded. Uh, but at the same time, you're looking for players who can run your system. You're looking for players for an opportunity to come in and compete. DeAndre Carter, for that example, was more about, I think, the kick return game. But, David, you look at the, the wide receivers, I think what they're setting up is just an opportunity for guys to come in and compete. Remember, these a lot of these guys aren't getting some big guaranteed money. They're going to come in and fight for a roster spot. Uh, but the Raiders were not very deep at wide receiver. You got past Hunter Renfro. Uh, Mac Hollins is gone. He wasn't anything special. He had his best year, of course. But uh, they were not deep at wide receiver. No, and like you mentioned, um, you look past Hunter Renfro. Could this possibly be writing on the wall if they maybe want to trade Hunter Renfro because they could have got rid of Darren Waller a year ago and got a second-round mm -hmm. pick for him? So, you know, you, you kind of fill out that receiving core this season and see what they can do. This is a transition year. I don't know if anyone is expecting uh, a big splash out of the Raiders this year. So, yeah, you see them sign some guys for low money, and that doesn't take a big hit on the salary cap. And, you know, you're, you're kind of playing it a little safe. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to continue to see moves like this throughout the offseason. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Roger, thank you for your email. We go on to our second email from David in El Cajon, California. That, of course, is East Southeast San Diego. So David repping Raider Nation down in the land where they have no football team. 
Uh, David wants to know, he says, hey, guys, uh, what about the draft? You have talked about the Raiders maybe dialing in on a quarterback at seven, but now it appears that there might not be any of those top guys available when it falls to them. Do you still think they'll trade up or do they start to really think about taking a defender at number seven? That, again, is David in El Cajon. Uh, we heard uh, 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 Fitz talk about it in the first segment. I agree with him. I think what the Raiders are going to do is I think one of two scenarios is at number seven, they're going to take the best defensive player, whether that's Carter, whether that's Gonzalez, the, the, the cornerback out of Oregon, or they would trade down. I'm not saying they trade from seven down into the 20s, but if somebody wants to move up for a player and they can move back a couple spots and get more draft picks, they may do that depending who is there. Now, the Jalen Carter thing is interesting because Fitz brought it up. The point about the character issues that everyone keeps talking about, keeps talking about, the point that the Raiders have gone through some really difficult times, the Henry Rugg situation, all that makes it a little difficult. You have to be completely sure that you do it. What does your gut tell you, David? What do you think the Raiders do at number seven? I think Fitz said it perfectly. I think the Raiders stick to that number seven spot because if you move up, I mean, you, you don't know what you don't know what's going to happen on draft night. And what he said about QBs going one, two, three, four, that's that's very possible. I could see that happening. And you just you just don't know. That seven spot, maybe Jalen Carter falls down there. Maybe you get Will Levis. Who knows? I think a lot of it goes down on draft night. I wouldn't be too surprised if they do move. Uh, move down like you said um, if there isn't a guy who maybe they they want right away if they can move back a couple mm -hmm. spots make a trade I don't think we see that in something like that until draft night but I could see something like that I don't think they move up though yeah I, I don't think so either I don't think there's anybody worth moving up for at this point because I think the top two quarterbacks will be gone in one and two and then you, as he thinks that they're going to go one, two, three, four, which would be crazy for the quarterbacks to go that way, but you never know. And so there might not be anybody left anyway. So it'll be interesting to see there uh, what's going on. But uh, David and Elgon, thank you so much for your email. Our last email is from William. William writes to us from Las Vegas. So right there in Las Vegas, he says, I've heard a lot, and this is ironic because we were just talking about it. I've heard a lot about, a lot of complaints about Allegiant Stadium and visiting fans coming in. What can Raider fans do to ensure that it doesn't happen this coming year? Appreciate the show. Hope Mo feels better. Thanks to all of you, William in Las Vegas. We just talked about it. I mean, you got to win, but I don't think there's anything Raider fans can do. There's a, a lot of a lot of Raider Nation season ticket holders, David, like you, sometimes fight with one another because season ticket holders feel that other season ticket holders should not sell their tickets uh, to non-Raider fans. So clearly they're not fans of capitalism. Um, I mean, you sell your tickets to who you sell your tickets to, but I think you would have more Raider fans that would want to buy them if you're winning. I, you know, it's funny because I see here like on uh local offer up or local Craigslist. I'll sell this must meet it in person cash only must be a Raider fan locals <laughs> only no tourists. We want to get as many Raider fans. Actually, we want to get their butts in the seats. And this is what I'm here for. Scott, I could talk all day about the Allegiant stadium experience and visiting fans coming to Vegas. I just feel like, look, how yeah. many, how many no. Swifties just Vegas, right? You circle right, but, that but, Vegas. But here's the thing, though. You could, you could, like you said, you saw an offer up. You have to meet in person and be a Raiders fan. First of all, I don't know that I'm, you know, 
you, you, do those tickets sell? If there's no Raider fans to buy them, you're just going to eat, eat your ticket? I, no, you, look, man, I, I, have, I, have two t- uh, I have two seats. I sell one on OfferUp, and I, I sell them to only lo- locals only. Scott, and I'm not the only one who does this. That's because you're looking to- for a date. <laughs> During football season, Scott, you know, if hey, if you're a single Raider fan, that's <laughs> something else. But look, I think if you live here and you have the money to go to a Raider game, go out, support the team. It's a Sunday afternoon. Take your kids. It's a great do you, time. Do you, do you sell it at half price? What do you do? Well, are you, are you getting face value? Uh, well, face okay. Face value for Raider tickets is far lower what the resell is. Yes. And we could do a whole segment on the ticket market for Raider tickets. We will sometime. We will sometime. Yeah, I think I think it gets pretty interesting for sure. But but no, you could resell tickets even for cash, like you could get a decent return on it. But that's not what the question was. That's the question was how do we get more Raider fans in the seats? And I just think it's up to us as Raider fans, to show up, support the team, no matter how bad they are. Get your butts in the seats. <laughs> or good. Or good how they... Well, when they're good, I think the fans show up. The fans up. will show up. They just show up, yeah. I think will show up even more when they're of good. Of course, but, of course. No, get, you're right, though. Your you just got to come. I mean, that's just the way you got to do it. All right. David, man, thanks for stepping in for Mo. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Scott. All right. Now Until he's... Next time. That's right. David's going to go uh, do his thing and produce the heck out of the show. So when you listen to it, it sounds great. When you watch it, it sounds great. It looks great, uh, except for us. But other than that, it's it's real cool. So uh, thank you to David. Also, uh, again, get well to Mo. He'll be back next week. I'm going to go now get off the air here and try to get some sleep so I can fend off whatever this crud is. So we appreciate it. But a big thank you against Jason Fitz from ESPN. Big Raider fan, of course, joining us in the first segment. And to all of you for joining us. If you don't subscribe to the podcast, please do so wherever you get your podcast. And to our listeners on The Bet in Las Vegas, thank you for being with us. For our producer, David Stepanian, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today. Take care, everybody.